Hello everyone, welcome back to the Final Tackle Podcast. Roll the intro. So whether you're on the cricket ground, Lang Park or the bush, you still gotta run, you still gotta tackle, and the scrums are not the same push. You give it some, you give some more, and you really give your all. Playing rugby league football, it's the greatest game of all. This episode is brought to you by our two sponsors. They are two locally owned Central Coast businesses. First one is the Grange Hotel in Wyoming. For a good drink, good food and good time, head over to the Grange, Wyoming. I recommend you go there on Monday nights because they have a special on schnitties. My favorite schnitty is the pepper gravy one. And our second sponsor is Zabara Clothing. Manufacturers and suppliers of team wear and uniforms, head to www.zabara.com.au or visit their store in Erina, New South Wales, Australia. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Scrum Heads NRL podcast. This is episode 5 and we are joined by Scott Sattler, the former Queensland lock and played for the Penrith Panthers in his infamous 2003 grand final match. Thank you for joining us here mate. Thanks CJ, thanks for having me. First question is, you made your NRL debut for the Gold Coast Seagulls back in 92. What was that like for you? It was great. Um, I was a Gold Coast boy growing up CJ, so um, playing for the Gold Coast Giants back then in 1988 when they first came into the competition, that was always going to be a dream of mine. I supported South Sydney as a kid um, and always thought Sydney was just too far away. So I thought playing for the local team in uh, the Gold Coast Giants, who then became the Gold Coast Seagulls, um, was a dream of mine. So I played under-21s. In our under-21s team back then, there was um, Kevin Campion, who went on to win premierships and play for Queensland. Uh, Jamie Goddard, who went on to play games for Queensland as well. Adrian Vowles, who played for Queensland and a lot of NRL games as well. So we had a really good under-21s team. And then... um, I remember I played under-21s against Parramatta. And oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, and then we were sitting in the grandstand after the game watching reserve grade, myself and Jamie Goddard. And I remember I was eating a, I was eating a hot dog and having a can of Coke. Oh. And the team manager found me in the stand and he looked at both Jamie Goddard and I and he said, go and put your boots on, you're going to sit on the bench for first grade. Oh, wow. And we thought, oh, that's great. We're 19 years of age. How good is this? Captain coach was Wally Lewis. Oh, nice. That, that's oh, far out. So a dream, <laughs> a dream for the opportunity to possibly, because we didn't know whether we were going to get on or not, yeah, yeah. to possibly play with the greatest player of all time. Anyway, Definitely. sitting on the bench, about, about 12 or 13 minutes to go, uh, we scored a try and, and Wally was walking back with the trainer and the trainer was talking to him and I'll never forget it. Wally looked over his shoulder and he looked at both Jamie Goddard and I and I, I could read his lips still today. He said, put the two young fellas on. So both myself and Jamie Goddard went on and um, I remember going on and packing in the scrum mm. and I'm thinking all I want to do is get out and get the ball in my hands first. Yeah, yeah. And, um, well, and when I got the ball... you would be in the lock, you, you would. Well, I wrapped around and I remember all I wanted to do was get tackled by Brett Kenny or tackle Brett Kenny. <laughs> nice. So I got the ball off the back of the scrum and I just found where Brett Kenny was and I ran straight at him and he tackled me and I thought to myself, I've been able to play alongside the greatest player of all time in Wally Lewis, who was also the coach. Of course, that captain, would be a dream come true. And then got tackled by a guy that one day I think will become an immortal also. Oh, definitely. It's on the books for sure. So I it, was, it was a memorable, a memorable moment. And for me personally, it also gave me the confidence to finish the season off really well in the under-21s. And then in 1993, when um, that's when myself and guys like Goddard and Campion and and, um, and Adrian Vowles, we then started playing a little bit more often in, in the first grade. 
Yeah, nice. That sounds like a dream come true, in all honesty, by the sounds. What was it like playing for two Gold Coast-based clubs? So the Chargers, I went back to the Gold Coast in 97, 98, yep. when they changed their name, but the Crushers was a second Brisbane team, yep. brought into the comp in 1995. Amazing scenes. It was the going to go head to head with. I've the been to the Crushers Leagues Club. I think it's still around. It actually. is. I mean, I, last place, the last time I went to it was like 07. As far as I know, it's still. There's still a there's thing. some NRL clubs that don't have Leagues Clubs today, and yeah. there's still a Leagues Club for a club that's actually not in the competition. <laughs> but, um, exactly. But it was great, you know, going head-to-head with the Broncos, trying to win over that southeast Queensland fan base. And the first year in 95, oh, you know, we played the Canberra Raiders. And they won the comp the year before. We played them round one. And I'll never forget, you know, Lang Park back then had a, a capacity of about 41, 42,000. I think it was close to capacity that day. And then we had average crowds, about 28, 29,000 each week. That's so still pretty good. It was amazing, amazing first year. And then the second year, CJ, I'll never forget, we sat down as a playing group. We had yeah, a pretty mate. good first year. And we're sitting there, and before it even kicked the ball off in anger, the Super League war hit. Super League season was in 97, but okay. Super League had started to rear its head through 95, oh, okay, yep. 96. Yep. And so at the start of the season, we're sitting there before a training session, and the club chairman came out and told us that, unfortunately, the club has no money, and we're not going to be able to be paid that year. Spewing. So basically, we... We played for the love of it. We trained every night. Yeah, nice. Played for the love of it. We, it took us back to why we originally played the game. Yeah, we still definitely to, grassroots we still sort have, of stuff. Yeah, we still had to have jobs. Yep. It uh, wasn't full-time back then, so um, and you had to work harder in your day-to-day job and then try and find the energy to train and play each week with, with the knowledge of not getting paid. So Yeah, exactly. We ended up getting something at the end of the year. It wasn't worth sneezing at, but in saying that, I ended up going back to the Gold Coast because everything sort of... Everything stopped for me. Like I wasn't getting, we didn't get any money from the, the crushers and the club was getting kicked out of the competition, the crushers. So I just thought to myself, I had to go back to where it started yep. and start all over again. I'm glad I did that when I went back to the, the Chargers in yep. 1997. Nice. And what was that like going back great. to the Chargers? Yeah. Really good split competition, Super okay. League ARL. Yeah, because I, I know the Broncos, which is the team that I follow, won the 97 Super they League did. Grand Final. Yeah, were the Chargers, were they in the Super League or were they no, in, we were in the ARL. ARL? Okay. And it's actually, it was perfect. It was a perfect scenario for the fans of the Gold Coast because... Yeah, definitely. They were and tired of a, a Gold Coast team that was unsuccessful and in the split season we actually made the finals we won the first round first week of the semi-finals went through oh, nice. the second week and yep. and we're a couple of games away from a grand final and, and that's what the Gold Coast people needed the, a yeah. little bit more faith back in the game so yeah for sure to, to date it's it's up there with the season we won with the Panthers in 03 yep it was one of my, my most enjoyable seasons that I ever had in 97. Yeah, nice. Individually, the way that I played, and also just as a team, we're a really happy team, and it was just a, it was a really good time on the Gold Coast to play rugby league. Yeah, nice. Nice. That sounds really good. Moving on to your time at the Panthers, as you said, you moved on to them in 99, and then you won the 03 Grand Final with them. What was it like, A, moving to a club based in Sydney, and then also winning a Grand Final with them a few years later? Yeah, so growing up on the Gold Coast, I always thought I'd, I wanted to finished my whole career at the Gold Coast but in saying that I got told halfway through the 98 season that by a very good friend of mine in the media in Queensland Tony Durkin he said to me listen I'm hearing whispers at the Gold Coast along with some other clubs are going to be kicked out of the comp with the formation of the NRL yes so we played Penrith on a Sunday afternoon I got the award the the TV award that game and the next morning Roy Simmons rang rang my dad actually and said has Scott got a manager he said no he hasn't he said oh listen we'd be interested in having a look at him so they flew me down the following week to have a look at their facilities yep. and back then Penrith had <coughs> nearly the best facilities in the competition yeah definitely I remember landing in Sydney and then getting in a car and it was middle of winter 
and driving another hour and a quarter west. Yeah, far out. <laughs> and I, I remember saying to the guy who was driving me out there, I said, how long to go? He said, I was still another you know, 20 minutes or 30 minutes. I'm like, God, like... So I got out there and it was freezing cold. Yeah. It was about four or five degrees. Oh, definitely. They showed me around the Oval and the stadium. They showed me around the, the facilities, the training facilities. And I just thought, I've got to come to a club like this. Yeah, mate. I was talking to South Sydney Manly. I remember not wanting to go to South Sydney because that's where my dad played his whole career. Yeah, mate. And I, we, we played in the same jersey and I, I didn't want to sort of tarnish the, the legacy. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, and then I remember saying, oh, it's out of Manly and Penrith. And I remember saying to my dad, I'd out of Manly and Penrith, and he said to me, if you ever played for Manly, I'd never watch you play another game of rugby league because he hated Manly. Basically, going and looking at Penrith, it made the decision for me. And yep. I formed a great relationship with the coach, Roy Simmons. Oh, wonderful. Still to this day, he's a tremendous coach, tremendous man. And then, and then playing out in the western suburbs, just how much it meant to the people, the fans. Yeah. Um, One-team town. Definitely. Which meant that... Basically, their whole working week revolved around how their team went on the weekend. Yeah. So it was a great. I loved my time out there. Loved the people. Loved the fans. Panthers World of Entertainment was like, you know, Vegas oh, in Australia. It was wow. just a, a really good, really good place to play rugby league. Nice. Focusing on the grand final, what was that like to win it? And also, let's talk about that infamous tackle that is arguably probably one of the most famous tackles in NRL grand final history and possibly NRL history. Well, you know, the grand final itself was unexpected, to be honest. We got the wooden spoon in 2001. Oh. We finished, I think, second or third last in 2002. We were last after about round three or four in 2003. Oh, far out. We are paying 101 to one to win the comp. If someone put a bet on for that well, that early in the season. <laughs> well, some of our very close mates did. Oh, wow. Yeah, after round five, they put money on. And then <laughs> and then we beat the Warriors in round six, I think it was, round six or seven in New Zealand. Yep. And we beat them really convincingly. They were grand finalists the year before. Yeah, they were. I remember sort of thinking, hey, if we, we'll probably squeeze into a top eight position. And then when we, when we got to the middle of the season, we got to the stage where we didn't know how to lose. We won eight in a row. Far out. Yeah, then we got beaten by Melbourne, who brought us back to earth a little bit. Yep. And then... Um, That's always good. Yeah, and then we got beaten by Melbourne and then the Dragons mm-hmm. and then the Roosters. And then we, we didn't lose another game from then. And we had a team of real young young kids that have tasted a lot of success in yeah. the junior reps. And then yep. we had some veterans. Like, they didn't really know how to lose. Exactly, yeah. And they actually taught us older players like myself and Girdler and Martin Lang. And yeah, taught us older guys how to win again. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we had a team of young'uns. We had a team of lunatics. We had a team of, team of larrikins. And you've got to have a, a bit of each. Yeah to win a comp and, and then to go through and we beat the Broncos in week one when we let them get out to a huge lead I think they were 16-4 or 18-4 or something and then and then we we were playing the Warriors in the grand final qualifier mm, yep. we'd already beaten the Warriors three times that year we yeah. knew that playing the Warriors in the grand final qualifier arrogantly we knew that we were going to play in a grand final yep. we just knew that we, we had their measure yep. and then yeah we met the Roosters on grand final night and um, what was that like going up against a team that had been there three out of the last four years yeah, yeah quite intimidating when you look at their, their lineup: Minicello yeah. Chris Walker Fitler Byrne, uh, Ryan Cross Fitler, Craig Wing, yep, yep, Fitzgibbon, um, Luke Rickardson, Shannon, uh, Shannon, Shannon Hegarty, Adrian Morley, yeah, the list all the machines, on. yeah, Jason Kalis. It was quite intimidating, but funnily enough, CJ at the grand final breakfast, mm-hmm. uh, I know you you're going to ask me a question about John Lang later, so I'll yep. leave the story, yeah, the way for sure. He prepared us for that game, but yep. Grand final breakfast on the Thursday morning. We travelled in on the Wednesday, stayed at a hotel, went to the 
the breakfast at Darling Harbour. Yeah, mate. And they have both teams <coughs> up at the front of the stage. Yep, as they do. Yep. Yeah, and the MC in the middle. And I remember looking along our line of, of the grand final breakfast and we had all these young guys that they didn't fear anything. They were yeah. laughing and carrying on. And yep. us older players were probably a little bit more nervous. Yeah. And I remember looking along the Roosters line and Freddie had this real pensive, nervous, oh. anxious look on his face. Was he looking at you guys? Or? No, he was just looking straight ahead into space. Mm. And I remember looking at um, Luke, Luke Rickardson, Fitzgibbon, Roy as pretty casual yeah. characters. But I remember looking at Craig Wing and, and Brett Finch and those guys and thinking, they look really tense. Yeah. And then, um, and then we went to the grand final and uh, I remember on the bus going into the grand final and, yeah. and in the distance we, from Penrith we saw... Well, Telstra Dome, ANZ Stadium. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. I remember. Being I remember turning Telstra around Dome. and looking at. Um, I remember turning around and looking at um, at Martin Lang, and he had tears coming down his out of his eyes. I went, oh. "Can you believe this?" He goes, "I, I, I this is just amazing. I, I don't know how to control my emotions." And and I remember we were sitting. He would have broken down when you won. Oh well, yeah. He'd been at the Dragons in '99. Oh. Basically, they won the minor premiership. They should have won the comp. And yeah. Knocked out in grand final qualifier by the Dragons, and so he, both he and his father played a lot of rugby league and never won any premierships. So yeah. Um, I um I remember sitting in our, our reserve grade team was playing in the grand final that day as well against Canberra. I remember yeah. sitting in the, where the reserves sit because I used to go in last all the time to get ready. Um, and I remember sitting in there and on the screen watching our reserve grade on the screen it showed both dressing rooms and it yeah. showed our dressing room which is and it showed Preston Campbell laying on the strapping table yep. and he was laughing and carrying on he was waving at the camera where yep. all the fans were and everyone was cheering and and then it went to the roosters dressing and room. they were all focused showed a picture of Anthony Minicello sitting on a chair just staring into space yeah and he looked really nervous oh wow I thought to myself if we can withstand the first 20 minutes with these guys... Yeah. We'll which, be... watching the replay, which I did a few weeks ago, actually, you guys definitely well, we lasted. Did. Yeah, We went toe-to-toe and then put first points on the board. So yeah, which is always good in a grand final. Yeah, I remember when Luke Rooney scored that try. Oh, he was a machine for you guys. Two tries that night. When he scored that try on the sideline, went to lead 16-4 with about eight or nine minutes to go. Mm. I still didn't think we'd won. Oh, wow. Because I remember walking across to Luke Rooney and everyone was celebrating and saying, hey, listen, this is great, but... Yeah, this team can put three tries on yeah. in six or seven minutes. So. Easily, yeah. Like the Rabbitohs Pres- at the end of the 2014 yeah. grand final, yeah. Preston, and then Preston kicked the goal from the sideline. I thought, yeah, it's going to be tough for them to come back from here. So, yeah, great time. Uh, and a, di- a different range of emotions for guys like myself and Girdler and yep. um, Martin Lang, the older guys, compared to the guys like Lewis and Rooney and Rodney and Clinton and yeah. Waterhouse. Yeah. They just thought it was going to happen every year. Then. Yeah. They were 19. They yeah. didn't care. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, and circling back to the tackle that you made, what was A going through your mind at the time? I'm guessing obviously just a matter of just got to get this guy, got to save the tackle, got to this, that, the other. But apparently, I read somewhere in an article a few weeks ago that John Lang, the coach, made you each week run up a set of steps for training and it turned out to be that exact no, amount of steps that was my training session oh okay yeah, every Wednesday when we had the day off I mm-hmm. got this old disused train line up yep. in the lower blue mountains and, yep. I, and um, there was a set of steps that I used to do yeah it's quite grueling I did that every every well, pretty much 90% of every Wednesday during yep. the pre season and, and the pre-season but the first week of training when John Lane came at the end of the 2001 season preparing for 2002 he he actually said, oh, listen, I want my locks. He said, and Sats, as my lock, when the ball's on the other side of the field, 
on fifth and last, if the kick's going to be put in, I just want you to start running in behind the defensive line just in case you need it. Yeah. I used to always say, just, just be there in, in case you need it. And you were needed. <laughs> I did that every week for the next two years. I just yep. used to follow in behind if the ball was on the other side of the, I was on the, side of the ruck. And mm-hmm. on that occasion, I remember Ryan Girdle was the left centre and he used to always bob up on the right-hand side, which you'd never yep. see in this day. And no, you wouldn't. Left stays on left, right stays on right. Yep. But he used to always go to the right-hand side. I remember on the fourth tackle, he ran past me. So where's he going? And then he grabbed the ball on the fifth tackle, put a kick in, and it ricocheted off um, Luke Rickardson's yep. legs. Yeah. Freddie picked it up and fired this beautiful pass to Skinny Byrne, Toddy Byrne on that left left um, eastern side touchline. Yep. And so because I was sort of heading in there, but like Johnny Lang had always just told me to do, I just took off. And everything was quiet. I couldn't hear anyone. couldn't hear the... St- yeah, it was just you and the chase sort of thing. I never thought I was going to get him. I, just, I was <laughs> wow, always just really? going to try and get him to score in the corner. And yeah, or at least make it go to video ref sort of thing. Yeah, you know, I just I just thought if I could just do my best to get near him and make him score in the corner, it'll make it difficult for Craig Fitzgibbon to kick the goal from the sideline. But mm-hmm. it was a really wet night that night. Mm. Um, so you reckon yeah. that was on your side? Oh, yeah. I, was, I, was, I mean, I was always a bit of a mud runner myself. And yep. It slowed down the quicker guys. And yeah. Um, Luke Lewis got a really good ankle tap on him and sort of stifled his run a little bit. And when he took off, I, I, I remember I couldn't hear anything. But funnily enough, CJ, I could hear Reese Wesson, our fullback. Yeah. I remember him yelling. My nickname was Scooter. He yeah. said, keep going, Scooter. Yeah. I've got you inside. And that's the only thing I could hear. So I, I just, just kept going. And if he stepped inside, I thought Reese would get him. Yeah. For, fortunately enough for me, I, I kept getting a, a bit more ground on him in the wet and a bit more ground. And, and then I was able to get really good contact and, and on the, because it was wet we slid in yeah the, and you got him in touch everyone it, the roar around the stadium and I, again I couldn't hear anything but I remember turning around and looking and Reese was dead set 30 metres away if he stepped inside there was no way in the world yeah. this was going to get him yeah. but I remember turning around and just like, the happy thing for me was I, you know, it's, people say today it was a turning point in the game I don't think it was I, was, mm, nah. I still think we would have won the game that's just our mindset but I remember turning around and seeing Reese and Tony Pultour arrive on the scene yep. and Tony Pultour like he started heavily sledging Toddy Byrne <laughs> I can't remember what he said but he just, yeah. just, in <coughs> job, but there's, a, there's an angle of it where Pultour's over the top of him 6 foot 4 180 <laughs> kilos just sledging him and Far out. But I remember them dragging me up off the ground and, and that was the one of the real proud moments of my individual career where I was able to do something for my teammates yep. and the reaction I got because it was my last game for the club. It was, yeah. So it was just a, for me, it was might be a little bit selfish, I think, but nah, for me, I, I, I hold that as dear to my heart, just that, the reaction from, not the incident itself, yep. but actually the reaction from my teammates. Yeah, no, yeah. that's not selfish at all, mate. Is there anything you miss and don't miss about playing the game? I miss the two-minute buzzer. Okay. There's a two-minute buzz that goes off CJ in the dressing shed of every game. That yep. means... Two minutes till go on the field? Till you run on. Yep. Once upon a time, it used to be a knock on the door from the linesman. Yep. But I missed the two-minute buzzer. Okay. Being really relaxed before a game, two-minute buzzer all of a sudden goes bang and brings you back to reality. Yep. I miss that. Okay. I miss getting paid to train yep. and feel good and do it with a group of mates. Yeah. Yeah. So if you wake up every morning and you go, right, I'm, I'm going to go run around the field. And, and you get paid to hang and, with your mates, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, to swim in the pool and with my mates for six hours a day. That's pretty cool. And That'd be pretty good. You, I miss going away on road trips. Yep. Like you go and play against the Warriors, you've got to go for three days. Yeah. You do it with your, your teammates. Yeah. It's, 
They're good times. You're like a group of big kids. Yeah, so nice. I miss that. Um, I don't miss the playing. Yeah. Don't miss the playing sort of because you get injured. And yeah, of course. You have surgeries. And, yeah. But I miss the two-minute buzzer. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Fair enough. What was Johnny Lang like as a coach? Uh, he's a genius, Johnny. Yeah. And the best way to explain Johnny is two words, old school. Yep. And one word, one word simplistic. Okay. Basically, he has a basic approach to rugby league. There is no game plan. Yep. It is about doing everything you do really well. Know your role. Yep. Do it well. Don't make mistakes and do it with a high level of intensity. Yep. And if you make the smart decisions and play a really controlled rugby league, more times often than not, you win the game. Yeah. And when you talk about Johnny Lang and what I was alluding to earlier on is that I suppose that the, the great thing about Johnny is he doesn't overcomplicate things. In grand final week, we've had coaches in the past in rugby league that have overcomplicated grand final week. Yep. And their players go into games overcooked mentally and emotionally and they're burnt out before they get there. Yeah. Uh, I think a perfect example was that was 2001, the Parramatta side that broke every record and they were burnt out before they got there. But in saying that, uh, I remember on the Monday of grand final week, we turned up at training, regular routine as we went into the opposition's dressing shed to have our meeting about the week ahead. Yep. We did that every week. And all the media was outside because there's only two teams left in the comp. Yep. First training session for grand final week. Johnny Lang said to us, I've got a game plan for our grand final. I know a few of you are a bit concerned. And a few of you was myself and Girdler and Gower. We'd all said on the Sunday after beating the Warriors, knowing we were going to play the Warriors. The War Roosters, sorry. sorry they, yep, yep. they beat us quite convincingly about eight weeks beforehand. Yeah. Six or eight weeks beforehand. We're going to have to come up with a different game plan if we're going to beat them. Yeah. So we sort of mentioned it to Lange. And Lange slept on it and he came to training on the Monday. He said, I've got a game plan. A few of you are concerned about a game plan for the Roosters so here it is the Roosters are big they're fast they're aggressive they run hard they tackle hard so we're going to run harder and we're going to tackle harder that's our game plan so we all went what? <laughs> yeah and straight away it just took all the pressure off us and we thought okay let's just go and enjoy the week and he said enjoy the week guys I want you to do every interview you have to do I want you to go on any footy show you have to go on and just enjoy the week lap it up sort of thing he said because I coached a guy by the name of Andrew Eddingshausen. Yeah, E.T. Who never got to win a premiership. Got so close in the 97 Super he League. Did. And he said, so I want you everyone to enjoy it because it may never happen again. And so it just took all the pressure off us. And that's yeah. why I think that was one of his greatest attributes is that he just kept everything really easy and he put faith in his players. Yeah. Just a few more questions before yep. we wrap up for try time trivia. What's your opinion of the ball stripping rule potentially being outlawed? Right? I know the fans have voted on the NRL.com survey. 60% have said they like it. It's become a calculated act. Now. It has, yeah. But it's also spontaneous in a way that as a fan you're sitting there watching and all of a sudden your team ends up with the ball. Yep. You go, hang on a sec, we've got the ball. I'd like to see it outlawed again. Or the strip the ball. Yeah. Okay. I just feel as though that it takes away from really effective one-on-one tackling. It does, yeah. So a really good tackler these days, you don't get rewarded for tackling around the legs. No, you don't. Like a good Drake Javoyevich tackle, there's no reward because the referee's trying to get you up off the ground and if you don't get off the ground quick enough after a really effective tackle. The art now is when a guy runs the ball up, you basically what they call catch them. You just you sort of basically, basically just take the impact yeah. and you hold them. Two other guys come in and take their attention away from everything other than the ball and all of a sudden they drop off and the ball gets ripped out. I just think we're, we're taking away from the, the true fundamentals of the game, which yeah. is a really good effective tackle. Yeah, and exactly. I think the more we allow it to happen, the more tacklers we're going to have up around the ball and shoulder region, which yeah, can sure. deflect up onto the chin and head. Yep. And takes away from the really good fundamental tacklers. And what have you been doing 
post career? I know you had a stint as a position of some sort for the Gold Coast Titans. Yeah, I was, I was the inaugural um, uh, general manager of rugby league at the Gold Coast Titans. I yep. was there for four years. Okay. Um, the initial two years when we were setting up the club and trying to yep. get a license, we were yep. successful in doing that. Loved my time in operations. Um, would love to go back into that in okay. some capacity. Yep. Probably because I've gone out into the private sector now. Yep. I've got out of rugby league uh, from an operational sense. I've got my own investigation firm. Oh, wow. Um, so okay. a private investigation firm, which I've had for a number of years. And I, I do that on a on a full-time basis, uh, running yep. that company along with um, business partner. Outside of that, I still do a lot of media. I, I call for NRL Nation, which has got the five years uh, NRL rights on the radio. Yep. And uh, we call four games each, each weekend of the rugby league. Go to all the regional parts, 70% of New South Wales and Queensland. It never used to get the rugby league. Yeah, before. that's awesome. And also a call for Channel 9 um, on Sunday afternoons. Um, okay. Yeah, so I'm um, still heavily involved in the media. And myself and Gary Belcher, former NRL player, yep, yep. we host a, um, a show called Sports Day every night on, on radio, which goes for two hours from oh, six wow. to eight. You played your final season of the NRL in 04 with the Tigers. What was it like moving after winning a grand final with a team you'd been at for a few years and, you know, got to know the boys and all that, going to an entirely new club, yeah. etc.? It was tough. Yeah. It was really tough. Because you come from a club that's been successful in 03, going to a club that needed a lot of work. Mm. Well, they won the comp the year, the year after that. They did. Sorry, continue. Yeah, they did. So, um, and so my focus was, I thought, well, I'm 31, 32. I've been around the traps a fair while. I always classed myself as a really good trainer. I just thought to myself, and I knew that the West Tigers had a, quite a bad culture from a training ethic and a work ethic point of view. So I, I took the focus as I could go over there and, and really enjoy my footy, but also try and, I suppose do my best to change some of the mindset around but the main reason I went over there was because Roy Simmons was the assistant and Tim Sheens who I just idolised yeah when he had the Raiders one of the super coaches in yeah. my opinion for yeah. sure top three greatest coaches of all time you know and, uh, just a great man and I just wanted to be able to serve a, year, um, a couple of years I served, I signed for two years 04, 05 and about three quarters of the way through my 04 year I didn't miss a game that year and I had a really good season but three quarters of the way the season my, my knee kept locking up just wasn't able to prepare for games the way that I liked to and didn't affect me during the game but the recovery for games yeah. was a lot longer and um, it was really hurting in winter it was just it was excruciating the arthritis oh I would have especially so I, I remember sitting down with Tim Sheens and the then CEO Steve Noyce and Roy Simmons and saying yep. I, said, I, might, I might call quits at the end of the year and they tried to talk me around and then <laughs> and then I remember December that year in 04 I'd retired and I was I was cleaning my mother-in-law's pool and I got a phone call from Tim and he said, you sure you don't want to come back? And I said, listen, I'd love to, but if I'm not going to be able to prepare the way that I used to, which yeah. is do the things I always did, I don't think I'd be able to play the and way that I And would have potentially could. got injured Exactly, as well. and I, I didn't want... I didn't want whatever small legacy I may have had. I didn't want that to be affected. Yeah. Um, and we definitely have a cult legacy at the well, Panthers. And at the Tigers, had some really exciting youngsters coming through. They had Liam Fulton, they had Robbie Farah, Benji Marshall, uh, Benji Marshall, uh, Bryce Gibbs, Dean Hallettow, just to name a few. So many, yeah. I just felt as though that if I was going to take up X amount of dollars in the salary cap, mm. that could have been going to the young guys. Mm. That would be selfish of me. Yeah. And I never played for for the money, and and so I felt as though that going back would have been a disservice. Yeah. Stupidly, they win the premiership. I remember the, the morning after the grand final when they yeah. were all having a drink and I got a phone call from Tim Sheens and yep. he, he rang and said, hey, we're just all here, just wanted to say day." And 
to me, that made me feel as though that you know, my time there was, was really enjoyable under Tim and Royce. I loved yep. it. And Steve Noyce, the CEO, and the players that were there, seeing a young Benji Marshall. And, yeah, nice. And being able to play alongside those guys for one year, that still really hold, held a really close place in my heart. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It would. Trial time trivia, you know how it works, guys. It's six questions. Mark Guy got six out of six. Yep. Jamie got five out of six. Just quick fire, ended off with an easy one. Yep. Question one. Which club defeated the New Zealand Warriors in the 2002 Grand Final? Roosters. Yes. At the 2015 NRL Grand Final, what was the final score? Oh, God. Um, was it 15-14? No, it was 17-16. The Penrith Panthers were formerly known as the Chocolate Soldiers because their jerseys were what colours? Brown and white. Yes. Which 5-8 received a total of eight Men of the Match awards for State of Origin? Wally Lewis. Yes. The Wiggles' Anthony Field is a strong supporter of which NRL club? He's a strong supporter of the... Tigers. Yes, yeah. very true. Is that supposed to be the easy one? That was the easy oh, one because well, you played for the Tigers. You thought maybe <laughs> he went under there, you know, sort of thing. So you got five out of six. So you're tied with Jamie Howard. Uh, I want to thank you very much for joining me on this podcast. And everyone, be sure to tune into his radio show, it's Sports Day. Wonderful. Yeah. And also, be sure to tune into NRL Nation Radio on Thursdays and Fridays to hear Sats doing his commentary. Yeah. So thank you very much. No worries. Thanks, CJ. This episode is brought to you by our two sponsors. They are two locally owned Central Coast businesses. First one is the Grange Hotel in Wyoming. For a good drink, good food and good time, head over to the Grange, Wyoming. I recommend you go there on Monday nights because they have a special on schnitties. My favorite schnitty is the pepper gravy one. And our second sponsor is Zabara Clothing. Manufacturers and suppliers of team wear and uniforms, head to www.zabara.com.au or visit their store in Erina, New South Wales, Australia.